I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Welcome to Play Me's special series, The Show Must Go On, and part two of Secret Life of a Mother by Hannah Moskovich with Mev Beattie and Anne-Marie Kerr, co-created with Marinda DeBeer. In part one of Secret Life of a Mother, we met playwright Hannah, who is played by her real-life friend, Mev. Hannah confides to us about her miscarriages, one of which started on a work trip in New York. And Mev tells us about her miscarriage that she discovered during a visit to her accountant's office. They both share the grief that they felt after losing a much-wanted pregnancy. This is part two of Secret Life of a Mother. A few days later, I was on another flight, this time to Budapest, Hungary, to work on a TV show. And I was working on the episode of TV that I've been writing that I'd fallen behind on because I was trying to catch up because I wanted to do a good job. But halfway through the flight, (laughs) I really thought I had managed to avoid having a miscarriage on a fucking airplane. Turns out, I had nothing with me, stupidly. I stuffed handfuls of cheap airplane toilet paper down the crotch of my pants, and then I sat on this fucking mound of bloody toilet paper, but even still I managed to stain the fuck out of my seat with miscarriage, or I didn't even know what the fuck was wrong with me, if it was more miscarrying or a hemorrhage or what the fuck. And I was just starting to think that when we landed, I was going to have to find a fucking Hungarian hospital and work out how to get the travel insurance off my goddamn fucking credit card. But the main thing I was thinking was I don't have fucking time for this. Before I had Elijah, I thought about myself as a mother. Here's one of the things I thought I'd be bad at. I don't spend a lot of time in the physical world. I'm in my mind a lot of the time. It's often at insensitive times when people are talking to me, for instance. In high school, I developed an ability to not listen. I think it might be the only thing I learned to do in high school. But it isn't deliberate, I just tune out. 
There's a phrase for this in psychology. It's called being a dick. Just kidding. It's domestic deafness. I do it at dangerous times, like when I'm crossing the street. I've been in four car accidents, two as a pedestrian. I just walked out into the street. One time when I was in theater school, training to be an actor, I was standing backstage in the wings waiting to go on, and I tuned out. And my classmates were forced to improvise. The play was Henry VI by Shakespeare. The improv sounded like, uh, quoth, doth thou wonder where Queen Margaret be? It's like there's a video game playing in my head. And so I play it all the time to the exclusion of all else, in particular the physical world, the world that I assumed babies inhabited. So we asked Hannah to record that part of the text about why she thought she was going to be a bad mother because it was so uh, uniquely her. But then when I listened back to it, I realized I still didn't understand why those things were going to make her a bad mother. And so I asked her to explain, and this is what she said. Aside from being scared, I would tune out and Elijah would fall out a window I was also scared about how long I can go without speaking. I had a bad feeling I wouldn't talk to Elijah enough and his language skills wouldn't develop. Act two. Labor! Yeah! Straight down the birth canal of this show. When Mev and I started working on this project, we had an intern who was 25 years old, and she was in the room when Mev told her birth story. And later, the intern whispered to me, that was horrifying. Okay, hi, Uh, it's Mev again. So I think I know why the intern said that my labor was uh, horrifying. So for my labor, it actually went pretty well for a long, uh, long time, and right up until we got to the pushing part. Uh, so when it came time to push, what happened was that I pushed so hard that I gave myself two black eyes, uh, which I did not know was a thing. Um, and... Not only that, but I also managed to burst the blood vessels in the whites of my eyes. And I gave myself a full mask of burst blood vessels from my hairline um, right down to my breasts. Um, So not only that, but uh, later that day, as I was in my room recovering, I asked the nurse to come in uh, because I was like, can you just take a look? Um, you know, down there because something feels a little not good and so the nurse looked and she said oh yeah um, you've given yourself rug burn on your ass cheeks from pushing so hard against the bed so um, yeah so I think why all this damage happened was because um, towards the end of the pushing they asked me to 
go on my back so they could strap the uh, heart monitor on for the baby. And when I did that, the contractions slowed down. They slowed right down. And so I was lying there uh, looking up at all these people standing around the hospital room, doctors and uh, my doula and my husband, and they all seemed like they were waiting for me. Um, And they seemed kind of bored. So I think what ended up happening was that I was performing pushing um, because I'm a performer. Yeah. So now back to Hannah. We'll be right back. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. You understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. There is a version of birth on TV and in movies that we're familiar with. It's how sex used to be shown. A kiss, and then a kiss with some tongue, and then a pan up a tree in blossom. Labor is usually a montage sequence. A woman pushes, her face is sweaty, and then there's a baby in her arms, and she's looking worn out but fulfilled. And the sheets are blue or white, And the baby is usually between one and three months old. I know this because I work in TV and I know a little about what babies are available to be cast. I'd been trying to finish an episode of a TV show I was writing before the baby came, and so I'd gone to bed at 2 a.m. When I woke up around 4 a.m., the pain felt a lot like what I'd been feeling the last few days, like a pressure on my cervix. So I went into the spare room and I watched Netflix. And I was halfway through an episode of The Good Wife when the pain got bad. So I kept watching the episode, as in what is going to happen with Alicia and her husband, who fucks hookers, but he's nice to her now. And then at some point, the pain was so bad I couldn't lie still. And I finally clued in that I was nine months pregnant, five days past my due date. I've heard of this happening before. A woman I know googled 40 weeks pregnant, water coming out of vagina. So, the first thing I did was I wrote an email to my bosses, the showrunners, so that I could send them the episode of TV that I was writing. And so I opened up the episode doc and I edited it for a while Uh, Yeah, well, I was having contractions. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Then I woke up Christian. Christian's response was, I'm too tired for it to be happening. (laughs) Which was him being funny. But he did go back to sleep, and I did lie beside him in pretty bad pain for a while, being polite about it. Ahead of my labor, Christian and Amy, my doula, asked me what I was scared of. 
I wasn't scared of the labor pain being bad because I had had a car accident that had knocked out six of my front teeth and I'd spent several years having surgeries to reconstruct my mouth. And also, I was hit by a car and that hurt. But I was afraid of what the pain would make me do. I was scared of what was at the bottom of my psyche that I might let go of when the pain was bad. I was scared the pain would shortcut me to my true self and that I would find out I was actually a bad person. For the first 12 hours, the pain was fine, or (laughs) not fine, but I was in my bathtub when my water broke and the amniotic fluid moved out of me with such velocity that I could see it pumping out of me through the bathwater. And now it felt like someone was punching down onto my cervix and also uh, stinging as though things in there had started to rip and that's when I wanted to start pushing. In the cab on the way to the hospital I could tell that the cab driver was worried about his seats so I tried to hold in my amniotic fluid. When we got out of the cab I was heaving and I could see people looking at me in that way that you look at a person who is in the middle of a physical crisis. In reception, the nurses were freaked out when they saw me. I was saying, I want to push! So they started asking me emergency questions like my blood type and do you think you're going to deliver here in this elevator? Upstairs on the maternity ward, the nurse examined me and... No. Nope. I'm, uh trying to uh, I'm uh, trying to uh, they're talking and I'm uh, trying to cooperate and uh, the nurse is saying that the baby is way down my birth canal putting pressure on my cervix and that's why I want to push so badly and Christian's looking at them and nodding and someone somewhere is screaming and but but they're saying I'm only three centimeters dilated and good job on those three centimeters but I have to be 10 centimeters before I start to push so at least another four or five hours or maybe more if I keep pushing down like this because I'm going to rip the shit out of my cervix and Christian says but it's been 12 hours and no they say no I can't push and Christian's nodding yeah and then I start barfing and there are no contractions what the fuck is fucking contractions it's just one long fucking contraction and the whole time the only thing I want to do is push and all that went on for the next four or five hours and for those hours the nurses and Christian and my doula say to me every few seconds Don't push. And here 
is where I learn what is at the bottom of my psyche. Turns out, I am very sorry. I said sorry over and over again for vomiting so many times, for getting blood on the floor, for screaming, for not being able to handle it, handle the pain. Oh no! I'm fucked! And at the end of the five hours, they examined me again, and I'm four centimeters dilated. So I've only dilated one centimeter because I am swelling my cervix shut. And the doctors and the nurses are saying that I need medication, which is, that's fine. And they hand me the tube to breathe in the gas and I scream into it. And they have to tell me, stop screaming down the tube, breathe the gas in. And then there's bright lights and colors and I have this thought which is who's screaming and then the nurses are prying the tube out of my hands because I hit the limit of the amount of gas that I can have and I hear them saying it's been 24 hours and they're worried my muscles will start to seize and it's 4 a.m. again and and the pain is I I don't pain but even then even then I know I have to I have to because I know that this isn't even, I know that what's to come, the baby, is the hard part. That was part two of Secret Life of a Mother by Hannah Moscovich, with Mev Beattie and Anne-Marie Kerr, co-created with Marinda DeBeer. The original theatrical production was directed by Anne-Marie Kerr. It was developed in residence and premiered at the Theatre Centre in Toronto and also ran at Crow's Theatre. It was created with the support of the Canada Council of the Arts, the Toronto Arts Council and the Ontario Arts Council and Arts Nova Scotia. You can listen to all three episodes now on Play Me. This episode's sound design and edit are by Chris Tolley. It also featured some original music and sound design from the original theatrical production by Debanish Sinha. And if you haven't already, please consider rating and reviewing us. It helps us get our podcast out to more listeners. We'd love to know what you think about Play Me. You can email us at playme at cbc.ca. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Theatre or Instagram at PlayMePodcast. Special thanks to our CBC producers, Fabiola Melendez-Carletti, Cecil Fernandez, and Tanya Springer. The executive producer of CBC Podcasts is Arif Narani. The senior director of audio innovation is Leslie Merklinger. Play Me's associate producer is Pippa Johnstone. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Play Me is produced by Expect Theatre in partnership with CBC Podcasts. 
For more information on our plays and artists, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.